Welcome to the Leadership on Demand podcast, presented by the Krauss Center for Leadership and Ethics at the Citadel, the Military College of South Carolina, located in historic downtown Charleston. I'm Colonel Tom Clark, Executive Director of the Krauss Center, and we are proud to share an inside look at the training, thinking, and experiences of principal leaders. Since 1842, the Citadel has produced principal leaders in all walks of life, and we look forward to sharing some of what makes the Citadel a strong and unique institution with you today. On this week's episode of Leadership On Demand, we will take a behind-the-scenes look at principal leadership training with special guest, Colonel Tom Hendricks. Colonel Hendricks is class of 1979 and recently took over the Cadet Corps Leader Mentor Program and has some very interesting insights into mentoring principal leaders here at Citadel. I'm today's host, Lieutenant Colonel Ted Feening, and this podcast was sponsored in part by our friends at Spider Exchange Traded Funds. Thank you for joining today's Leadership On Demand podcast. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Leadership On Demand podcast. We are here today with a very special guest, Colonel Tom Hendricks. Colonel Hendricks, good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for joining us today. Great. Thank now, you. Now, I love starting this podcast because uh, really it's for alumni, it's for current cadets, prospective students, people who love the Citadel, have a few BOV listeners. Um, I love starting with the same question, which is what is in the way, what stands in the way of the Citadel being the finest institution it could possibly be, in your opinion, as someone who loves the Citadel? Well, I'd say the, uh, the administration, General Walters, um, Dr. Selden, our athletic department uh, under Mike Capacio, Colonel Gordon, are all pretty well focused on uh, the strategic direction of the college. And I think uh, with, along with the foundation, and the Board of Visitors that it's important that they execute on this strategic vision and keep moving forward. It helps us uh, attract the right level of a faculty to the college. We've got, as you know, Ted, we've got huge capital requirements in the coming years. That's right. And General Walters, I know, and the foundation are very focused on those requirements. And if we execute on this strategic vision, I'm quite comfortable that the trajectory of the college is going to continue to improve in That's the coming great. years. It's incredible what the TCF has done in the last couple of years. Yes. The $250 million campaign and really starting to build a real uh, endowment foundation for the Citadel. So it lasts for a very, very long time. And uh, I'm on the uh, board of the foundation. And, and the foundation board, the foundation, the board of visitors, the administration are all flying close formation on one another, aiming at the same target downrange. That's fantastic. Well, you know, we're here today to talk about a few things. I want to hear about your passion points for the Citadel these days, but tell us a little bit about how you came to the Citadel, what class you're in, what company, sure. what your experience was like as an undergraduate. Sure. Um, I was uh, grew up in Ohio, was raised there, didn't have much money, uh, came down here on grants. A buddy of mine a year ahead of me in high school came down. Joined the Marine Corps, ended up, went to the infantry, and then became a JAG officer. He talked me into going. My parents had never heard of the place. I came down, and uh, luckily I had grants my first couple of years. And I was able to get a, a Navy ROTC scholarship. After two years, was able to stick around. But um, I needed some uh, structure in my life at that point. I think I was a late bloomer in a lot of regards. And uh, I loved the camaraderie. I loved the challenge. And... Um, and the bond with my classmates after enduring that first year back in the fall of 19, uh, beginning in the fall of 1975 was uh, very tempering for a young man that, that needed that direction. So I just, I uh, bought in completely and uh, continued to uh, further and further appreciate the things that I learned on this campus, even mm -hmm. after I graduated. So I uh, accepted a commission in the Navy 
uh, went to Navy flight training. I married uh, very shortly after uh, graduation, about four months later, and I'm still married to her, a Charleston girl, my wife Suzette, and uh, went to Navy flight training. I uh, got my wings in 1981 in Meridian, Mississippi. I went to uh, Virginia Beach to learn to fly the F-4 Phantom. Bought my first house and promptly got orders to uh, go to Japan for three years to uh, serve on the USS Midway. And my wife uh, still talks about how often she uh, cried after learning our orders that <laughs> had been to Japan. But we had a wonderful experience over there. I uh, was in VF-161 flying the Phantom with heroes, all Vietnam vets, guys that just took me under the wing and mentored me. And I mean officer and enlisted both. Sure. Helped me be a better person. I sure. just have, have so indebted to those people early on in my career that taught me the ropes. And, uh, and it taught me to have an appreciation for mentoring, frankly. Uh, so after that, after three years in Japan, I came back to my shore duty and I went to Miramar. I was um, asked to be an instructor at Top Gun. So I went to Top Gun when they filmed the first movie. Oh, come uh, on. Yeah, I was... Uh, How lucky is that? Yeah, I was lucky. I was uh, brand new in the squadron, so I was learning to fly two new airplanes, the A4 and the F5. Mm -hmm. And so I did not fly in the movie. Myself and the skipper were the only two guys that didn't fly in the movie. And then the last part of my tour there before I resigned my commission, uh, we got F-16Ns. So I was flying three airplanes there for a while. So after the Navy, I uh, decided to leave the service. I loved the Navy. I just didn't like being away from the kids. Uh, as I said, I had two kids that were born in Japan. So I got out and went to Delta Airlines. I stayed at Delta for 23 years. And then shortly after I got out, I... Uh, did an inter-service transfer to the Air Force Reserve. Hmm. So my days off from Delta, I flew F-4s for a couple of years and then F-16. So where, I did where did you do that with the Skang? Wright Pat. Oh, Wright Pat. Wright Pat. Okay. I was an Air Force Reservist. Yeah, I sure, went sure. back to Cincinnati. Oh, right, right. And uh, so I did that until the unit shut down. I was flying. I was flying great airplanes at Delta. I flew uh, 727s, DC-9s, MD-88s, 757, 767s. My favorite airplane was the L-1011 TriStar. So. Uh, and I stayed another 18 years in the reserve. So that was a big transition going from the Navy to the Air Force. Mm -hmm. And I had mentors in the Air Force that helped me uh, through that because it was very, the cultures are completely different. They're both great warfighting organizations, but the Air Force tends to have a little more rules than we did in the Navy. Sure. And so that, that was a little more difficult to get my armors around. But I submitted, became a good Air Force officer and uh, made uh, 06 and ended up my last six years at the Pentagon. And at Delta, I had always just been a line pilot uh, made captain after 10 years, and I, Atlanta's the largest pilot base in the world. We had 4,000 pilots, and I got a note from my chief pilot one day. I said, hey, come see me, which is never a good sign because yeah, right. I'm trying to fly under the radar. Sure. And he asked me, uh, would you be interested in being a chief pilot? And I, my head kind of spun. I said, Dean, I've never met you before. <laughs> he goes, well, you've got a good reputation. Why don't you just come in for the interview? So I did that, and I got hired, and I was one of the chief pilots. We had uh, four chief pilots in Atlanta to supervise those 4,000 pilots. Did that for a couple of years, went back to the line, and then I, my last five years there, I was the director of line operations. So I, Incredible. I oversaw the uh, daily flying operation Delta Worldwide, and we went through Chapter 11, and uh, at that time, the largest airline merger in history was with Northwest Airlines. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I was as a naval aviator myself, we could go down this rabbit <laughs> hole for hours, but I, I, wanna, I wanna talk about what brings you back to the Citadel, and what, you know, this podcast is really designed to give a behind-the-scenes look at, at how we train principal leaders at the Citadel. And I know you're very involved in the mentoring of our right. principal leaders here. So tell us a little bit about how that got started and what's happening right now. Sure. So uh, I subsequently from Delta, I went to D.C. and actually ran an aviation trade association as a CEO. And I retired in 2016. 
as I said, my wife's from here and, and our daughter and she now has two granddaughters and her husband live here in town. So we knew this was kind of going to be it for us. So I came back, was doing a little consulting and my classmate and dear friend, uh, Colonel Leo Mercado, sure. was uh, very involved in the uh, Cadet Corps Leaders Mentor Program and uh, was instrumental in working with the founder, Mr. Jim Whetstone, uh, who started the program. And so I think Leo tipped off Mr. Weston and said, hey, you may want to talk to Tom. And so I've, this will be my sixth year being a mentor. It's been fabulous. Fantastic. Um, I, was, uh, I wanted to get involved on campus. I didn't know what role that would be. I was, as I said, on the advisory board of the School of Humanities and Social Sciences for four years. And then I was asked to be on the foundation board. So I just, I like the direction the college is going. Mm -hmm. It's such an improved institution in all regards compared to when I was there, the quality of our graduates is so much higher and I'm just proud of what we're doing and I want to support it in any way I can. And, and, and that is first of all fantastic but what is the, what are the mechanics by which a mentor gets involved and also how do they select a mentee? How do, how do cadets know that this program is available? How do parents know this program sure. is available? Where do they find you? It's largely flown under the radar. Uh, there's been a couple iterations of it, and this is all due to the vision of Mr. Whetstone and his late wife, Lila. They uh, believed in giving back. They believed in mentoring. Like me, like most of us, we had benefited from mentorship throughout our careers, military and, and corporate and otherwise, and they wanted to pay that back. So it started out relatively small with only the senior uh, cadet leaders, and then it expanded uh, to include... Um, the top 11, the battalion commanders, regimental commander, deputy, XO, the, the uh, honor court chairman, the academic, regimental academic officer, and then all the company commanders. And then, uh, so that's 32. And then uh, a few years ago, uh, the cadets themselves approached us and going, these cadet um, team captains are leaders just like we are. And we feel like they should be able to enjoy the benefits of this program. So the program pivoted and now we mentor all the athletic team captains. Uh, and sometimes that means we mentor juniors. So um, currently in the, in the program, I mentioned all the senior leaders that we uh, mentor. We also mentor the regimental sergeant major, who next year is becoming the regimental commander. And I'll uh, mentor along with another mentor, uh, Sullivan Newsom, who's a, just an incredibly Sure. Impressive young man. Ter terrific cadet. Yeah. I agree. So, uh, and that's how we got there. And so, Mr. Uh, Whetstone, he's the class of 60, and he's uh, got a lot to be proud of. I mean, it, the program wouldn't exist without his vision and dedication, right. to be honest with you, the hard work for all these years. And I was humbled that he asked me a year ago to uh, uh, shadow him this last year and sure. see what he did. And uh, we uh, changed the batons last Tuesday okay. night. Okay. With the, with oh, the just this is class. fresh. We did. Very it fresh. is fresh, right? Well, hey, right. I mean, we got you first here on the Leadership on Demand podcast. But I, I just can't say enough good things about Mr. Whetstone. It wouldn't exist without him. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he supported it financially. He supported it with hard work and uh, a lot of uh, dedication on his right. part. What um, What do you see as, as how, how, the, how could the program expand? How can you reach out and, and let other folks know they can be mentors? Who are you looking for? Yeah, so we've got uh, we've got forty six plus mentors, and um, generally a very small percentage are Citadel graduates because okay. the focus of the mentoring program is for life after the Citadel. Mm -hmm. To be honest with you, things I wish I would have learned before I walked out the door. And for example, everyone's okay, trying let's, to let's hear, let's hear. Everybody's trying to reach into your wallet and yeah. get you to buy something or do something That's and right. invest in something. So right. we actually put on a financial seminar every spring for these 
cadet leaders that are getting ready to head out the door. We just did that last month. So we bring in people with expertise. They're not selling anything. They're talking about uh, how to get rid of retired student debt, how to make a budget, um, and all those things to set expectations. And it's really a neat program. So the focus is on life after the Citadel. Life at the Citadel is not our realm. That's the responsibility of the administration and the Commandant's Department. So we don't want to do anything to encroach on their authority or their area of expertise. Sure. So the mentors are generally people that are highly accomplished in the professional world, be it military or business locally. So they are community leaders with established reputations. And we will have a little turnover. And there are just people dying to be associated with this. I'm dying is maybe a little strong, but they're very anxious to be associated with this sure, program. Uh, coming in, and there's no lack of talent in the Low Country with you know how, oh, how right. vibrant so the many, economy is. So, so many great right. former executives and so much experience. Right, with it. and I, you know I personally enjoy being here because of the vibrancy of the right. student population, the discipline they bring. So I I, I totally get it. Um, boy, you know let's let's talk about how we can further integrate these mentors into our. Uh, there's some programs that I can't wait to talk to you about. Right, uh, the, right. The Principal Leadership Skills Program is every Tuesday. Uh, we created a lot of white space in a, in a sort of universally disliked program. Um, we just got rid of a lot of redundancies. And, Good. And, and the cadets, we said, what do you want to know? And they said, well, we want to know how to buy a car. And we want to know how to find an apartment. Right. We want to know how to manage our finances. So what you're talking about is what students are asking for. Right. Uh, which to me means that the college is doing its job. They're, they're training them academically. They're training them in a military environment. But there, there are after-graduation issues that they are, it's, it's top of mind. Right, right. We've, uh, many of our mentors, are, of course, are uh, retired or former military. We've got mm -hmm. several flag and general officers. Mm -hmm. But we, uh, we generally try to put those with people that are really focused on military careers to the mm -hmm. greatest extent possible, not always. So what we'll do is we'll have cadets fill out a survey about their short-term, medium, and long-term career ambitions are. Mm -hmm. And then we'll match that with our biographies. And we basically do a promotion board like the military. We'll get in a uh, room with a big whiteboard and a bunch of colored sticky notes, and we'll look at our requirements, we'll look at our assets, and we'll take a holistic view Fantastic. on how do we do a matching between the mentors and the mentees. And so far, it works. It's not we're not we don't bat a thousand always because we don't have an unlimited supply of mentors, but it works well, and the mentors are fully engaged. So we really stress that this is an off-campus program. We want to get the cadets off campus, away from the cauldron that they deal with twenty-four-seven in the barracks sure. over there. And uh, so it's often going out and uh, having dinner, coming to someone's home, playing golf, whatever it is. And, and Mr. Whetstone is the one to kind of set that expectation sure. early on in the program. One, one issue I feel like the college deals with is you have your student leaders, your team captains, mm -hmm. your cadet leadership that's made it through the rank boards. Uh, and then you have the, uh, the senior private, you know, this right. is a senior private who... Um, really is, is just trying to navigate a minefield and get his ring, his right. or her ring, and right. get out of here. Um, do, you, do you foresee a future in which the mentor program reaches those folks as well? I would like to see that happen, yeah. but the devil's in the details. Right, of course. It requires, um, it's certainly doable. It requires some funding to get there because we do events. We have dinners, we have receptions, and... Uh, I'm, I'm certain that we wouldn't have a lack of ability to match mentors and mentees, but uh, again, the devil's going to be in the details. How do we keep our arms around that? How do we administrate it and make sure that we're 
doing everything to support the mission of the college. Right. Because we don't want to do anything that takes away from that strategic vision I talked about, the Board of Visitors, the administration, the foundation, and everybody. You're not cannibalizing. You're not double tapping. It is right. something entirely right. separate. And it's, again, it's I, add, it's add value. we want to stay out of Colonel Gordon's realm. Sure. That, you know, we don't want to do anything to encroach. He's got a great staff over there that That's are working right. hard every day to keep the cadets focused. But if there's an opportunity, I'm open to having those discussions. But sure. the Again, it would just depend on what's the vision, how do we fund it, how do we how, make sure we're successful. How often do you meet with these cadets? What, what's the battle rhythm for, for connecting with them? Um, well, I really stress to the mentors, it's important to, you know, drop all titles, call me Tom, right. don't call me Colonel, you know, make it a, a very casual relationship. And it's an enduring relationship post-graduation. I'm in touch with all the cadets I've mentored since I've been in the program. And... Uh, Many of our mentors go to weddings and, and so forth, you know, as, as they press on it. And they call, I got a call about uh, three months ago from the first cadet I mentored. He's flying MC-130s down All in right. uh, Hurlburt Field sure. and, uh, in Florida. And he asked me a question, a career advice. It was, just, it was great to hear from him. So um, it, it's an enduring relationship. And that's, that's what we uh, emphasize when the mentors uh, come into the program. Well, you are preaching to the choir. I'm having lunch with my first Citadel mentor today. That's how I started. <laughs> oh, good. I started mentoring cadets, and then I, oh, started, I just sort okay. of got more and more involved. And good. I've been working here five years, but I'm having lunch today with good. one of my. Uh, he was either my first or my second um, mentee here at the Citadel. Great. We've been friends for ten years, five, eight years now. Well, time. kind of back to your question, I, didn't, I never really answered. Back to the cadence. So we typically kick things off in the fall with a. Uh, we'll have a dinner. We'll have a guest speaker come from the outside. And the guest speakers will be state leaders, uh, dignitaries in the region. We'd love to talk to young people and their mentors about this. Uh, in terms of meeting with cadets, it's driven. You know, we tell them this is, it's not a lecture. It's not uh, structured on how often you have to do anything. Take advantage of this wonderful resource you've been afforded at this important stage of your life. So I generally uh, reach out to my mentee. No, late, no later than four to six weeks, say, hey, let's have dinner. Let's just get together. What's going on? And I try to get them off campus as much as possible. Sometimes it's such a challenge. I go, okay, we can't meet. I'll meet you at Starbucks over in Mark Clark Hall, but let's meet. Let's talk. I want to hear how things are going. And the important thing is for that to be a two-way conversation. Um, I learn as much from my mentees, hopefully, as they're learning from me. The experience that they're having is so different from the experience that I had. Right. And they're so much busier. They're so much sharper than we were when we were here. And I really try to break down, you know, I said, knock off the sir stuff. I don't want to hear that. Yeah. I'm Tom, let's <laughs> tell me what's going on. What can I do? And, and just have a conversation. And that helps break the barriers down. That's great. And what are some uh, some success stories from the mentoring program? Any any, any anecdotes or anything that uh, pop come to mind? Uh, to be honest with you, when my uh, former mentees reach back to me, you know, now that they've been gone two or three or four or five years, that's success for me because mm -hmm. it, it shows me that as they mature, and I said I was a late bloomer, but as they mature, they appreciate the fact that they had this sure. uh, resource, not necessarily me specifically, but they know they, they're comfortable picking up the phone or texting going, hey, let's catch up. I get uh, from uh, two years, three years ago, my mentee's down in Del Rio, Texas, getting his wing, so he sends me as a T-38 formation solo huh. pictures and everything. It's just, it's just great. great. You know, it's, it makes That's me... Great. makes me. Uh, Feel very proud of the program and these young men and women. Sure. And, uh, so. Well, the last question I'll ask you is: Now you've you've had this great Citadel experience. You've built an, you know two careers, both military and civilian, uh, on the uh, on the back of a Citadel education. 
Um, what advice, now that you know all that you know, and now that you're a professional grade mentor, what advice would you give that 17 or 18 year old cadet entering the Citadel? You know, you've been in their shoes, it's a different ball game, but you're still talking to cadets. What advice would you give that cadet for, uh, for success at the Citadel? Well, I'll kind of go back to my days at Delta when I was a chief pilot. And we had some, you know, shocker, some pilots have big egos. Imagine I know that. you find that hard Imagine to believe. Yeah. Um, but the guys we had trouble with the most were the guys that stopped learning. Hmm. They thought they had learned everything about flying big airplanes all around the world. And so I'd bring these guys in and say, hey, you know that young guy sitting next to you? I've flown with him. He's pretty sharp. You might be able to learn a few things from him. I would say young people coming into the Citadel, prepare for a life of learning from this day forward and never think that I've arrived. Keep learning. I still learn to this day, and I relish learning about new things and different ideas. I, I really want to understand why people think the way they do, and to do that, you've got to focus on listening respectfully without being judgmental. That is some terrific advice. Colonel Hendricks, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, thanks for being a part of the Leadership On Demand program. Thank you. Go dogs. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Leadership On Demand podcast presented by the Krauss Center for Leadership and Ethics at the Citadel. You can find us online and we welcome your feedback and suggestions on who you, our audience, would like to hear from in future episodes. Thank you for your time today. We hope you'll join us here again soon for another episode of Leadership On Demand.